Hello, hello, this is Amanda Rice here on Call In, crowdsourcing the revolution. This is episode one of what I hope to be a series of shows about electoralism and the House of Representatives. What does that mean? Well, that means there are 435 house races. And the way that the national media reports on those is as if it's the total number of Democrats and Republicans that make all the difference and not who the actual candidates are in your community. So when I go to vote for my local district house representative, not only do I have to weigh whether I want the actual person that's the candidate, I also have to weigh whether that's going to change the balance of power in Congress because that's now ha- it's now a race between who has more. It's like the board game risk. You just keep accumulating numbers. It's all about getting numbers. Well, I'm, I'm not registered Republican or Democrat. I'm actually not registered with any party because I've been so disappointed with all of the parties. And for this year's federal elections for the House and the Senate, the primaries for most states have already happened, with a few exceptions. Maryland, Wisconsin, Florida still has one coming up. And with those exceptions, there's a choice of one Democrat and one Republican in most of the races. But in the Maryland House races, I have no say that I don't have a vote in Maryland and who gets elected in those races. So what is it that I could be doing now to maybe have more people get sent to Congress who are not incumbents? Welcome. I'm glad to see you here. I was just talking about the House of Representative races and how there has been a lot of talk about having more progressive, not establishment candidates on the ballot. And because most states have already had their primaries, it's too late to get an alternative to an establishment candidate in, in many places. But the primaries for Maryland, Michigan, Wisconsin, Florida, and New York are still upcoming. And why does this matter? Well, 
accountability is one of the things that is a buzzword during campaigns. But I don't even know what that means. How do I hold my congressperson accountable for a decision that I don't like? What is that? It's a consequence. But if that's the only option I have, what's the consequence? Voting them out. But that's the, the structure of our electoral system makes it so that I end up not getting a choice of who I want in office because of the structure of the parties. Okay, so are you interested in, in joining conversation about accountability and our lack of a, seeming to be able to get our uh, representatives to actually listen to us? Please unmute yourself. Welcome. Hey, Amanda. Yeah, I just wanted to jump in here, sort of show on and jump in real quick. And, uh, yeah, this is an interesting conversation as far as um, finding accountability. And, uh, unfortunately, we, we are in the system that um, has grown stronger and stronger over the years to protect itself. And it's hard to find accountability. Uh, a, a usual in a regular um, or in other countries ways of holding uh, electoral candidates or um, even our representatives accountable was effectively um, voting them out and having third parties and having a viable third parties. You know, we saw in in um, Colombia how a new party came into power over over maybe six years. I don't even know exactly how many years that they uh, and then Mexico also they a new third party um, that wasn't one of the major candidates or major parties got into power. And we don't have that here. We have it that they, the the media promotes just the two party system, and also right. in the debates is very likely that the only the two parties are going to participate. And the last thing I'll say before I pass it to you is also gerrymandering. It used to be that you would have a high turnover rate of representatives because um, of the lack of ger- gerrymandering. While now we have gerrymandering, where you have districts that are super either very blue or very red and it's hard to get a, a bad candidate out so yeah it's very hard to do um holding people accountable go ahead amanda so well so i have a totally radical suggestion because we can only vote for the candidates that are going to be on the ballot in november wherever we are right so i can only affect one house race by my vote but but what I can do is I can disrupt the system by voting for the non-incumbent, which might mean I'm voting for a Republican, especially since I live in California and, you know, somehow the Democratic Party is completely taken over except for the middle of the state. But, I mean, if, every, if we could get a large enough sector of voters and even people who maybe hadn't voted before to just everybody, don't send anybody back. Now, I love my House representative, Barbara Lee. I think she is, I hold her in high regard. She has done a lot of fantastic things. But think of the disruption it would cause if basically you tossed almost everybody out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I think even... 
what's good thing about California is they have whoever gets the top two votes too. They could both be Democrats and you yeah. just vote for the incumbent. So that that helps as well. There's another um, technique called fusion voting, which the working party, um, the working family party uses, where they you can um, have the same candidate on different ballots on different running on different parties and i heard that that is a a unconventional way of um running as well because let's say you had tish james let's say she ran for new york governor she was a working families party she would be on two ballots the democratic party ballot and the working families ballot and then let's say the working family ballot gets more votes than the democrats then she would know Okay, my votes will be holding to the working families. I, I have to be more progressive when I get in the office. And from according to um, Dave Sirota, he he really um, promotes that. I heard him say that that's another way of trying to um, bring change to the system. Mm-hmm. But um, unfortunately, I, I, another thing that I, I've really been contemplating since India Walton lost her Buffalo mayoral race is a writing candidacy. You know that that um, corrupt mayor proved how a writing candidacy in the general can be successful even though a democrat another democrat won the primary mm-hmm. so that's something i think we need to look into you know ralph nader had a lot of ballot issue a ballot on um, problems and we have third parties the democrats and the republicans try to keep third parties out of the system by ballot access but um i believe there's only seven states that you can't do write-in candidacies i, I, I kind of looked it up but other than that, if you if we can start promoting doing writing can um, candidacies, that could be a way of just bypassing ballot access and um, getting somebody into the system. You know, yeah. I, I I so I have a um, question. I was thinking about uh, so if I'm running for the House of Representatives, I, I I don't have ballot access unless I'm a Democrat or Republican, or is that only for presidential? candidates do you know i think it, it, be, it depends according to states each state okay. has their own system oh even lovely in, yeah <laughs> even in maine i believe maine has ranked choice voting you could yeah. and, and all the way up to the presidential level right which is awesome yeah, well, yeah in that's new york, really i you think only what have, we could be working for yeah in, in new york you only have ranked choice voting and i believe it's like the primary the democratic primary and that's it mm. but i think it might be a trial balloon and unfortunately, I think every member just being a mess. So they, they might, who knows if they're purposely making it a mess so that they don't, you know, continue expanding the experiment. But, right. um, but, but hopefully I'm just optimistic that something like that gets through period, you know? So I'm hoping they continue, um, doing ranked choice voting. Their star voting is another, um, you know, voting system. So um, you, I'm optimistic. Yeah, go ahead. Do you have Do you have um, knowledge or experience with any of the any like can't? Is there an organization that's like working on get, like there's the right yeah. has Alec right the, yeah. the legislative lobby yeah. right? Do we have something yeah. on the left like that or that's working on that's or something specific to rank choice voting that people can plug into? Do you know? So I know I'm in New Jersey, so they have um, Voters Choice NJ is the organization mm-hmm. in Jer- New Jersey for ranked choice voting. And then every state has mm-hmm. its own organization. Um, 
Another mm-hmm. uh, a national organization is I'm trying to I think is Fair Vote, FairVote.org. I think is the national organization that oh, you go fair there. Vote. Okay, and, yeah, uh, I think I, I think yeah. I got that link. Yeah, Fair Vote. Yeah, now okay. now Alec incumbents a whole bunch of um they they're just they just specialize in in bad <laughs> policies. Yeah, right, that right, they right, literally right. Hand it off to the Republicans and right. have them like put their name on it and then they introduce it as a bill. Why well, don't we, we have we don't, that on the left? Yeah, right. We we it would love, it would be great for us to have something like that. I think let's put Cornell West West at the yeah. head of it. But Alec is a yeah right. Um, is very <laughs> yes specific. right. I think we tried. <laughs> um, unfortunately, the right has a limited amount of money that they get from Koch brothers and other billionaires right. to but fund we, it. But we mm-hmm. think of all the brain power we have. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, I think, think, and all of the passionate people that are uh-huh. even more passionate with, I mean, because as the regular people, and I say that yeah. in the most loving way, people who are yeah. not living in understanding things like why rank choice voting is a good idea. Yeah. All of those people are starting to get upset. So those of us who've been really into it are like getting even more excited to do stuff. Yeah. This is the perfect time to start something like that. Yeah. Because everybody's got resources then, you know, because everybody, this is the thing I saw, I saw like 10 or 15 years ago, because I used to watch C-SPAN too, because, you know, yeah. I'm a total government wonk. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> government groupie from from long time ago but they were it was a it was a um conference of youth about the future and one yeah. of the things that the that the guy was saying was what the left doesn't do and what the right has been doing all along is instead of staying in office and staying in power until they're dead they had what they had been doing on the right was they would retire and start a foundation and then use their connections from being in power to build a a, a farm team. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but this is something that people on the left don't have the imagination to do because nobody's retiring. Nobody wants to put their name on a foundation. That's going to, gonna give give that rich nurturing soil yeah. to the next generation that needs to need needs it because it's not going to be an easy go forward you know what i'm saying amanda i would even argue the opposite is happening where we have pro- fairly progressive people who are changed minded who go into office and then they get changed by the system yes. they acquiesce yes. to the system yes and then they they become almost like neoliberals um centrist uh, and and yes. so they don't even fight for left policy anymore. So you see, you, for example, you have the organization um, that Neera Tandon was uh, the head of um, the progressive uh, man is I'm blanking out on. Do you know, you know who I'm talking about? Neera Tandon and uh, uh, the progressive the caucus, not the progressive caucus. Oh, she was the head know. of um, it was it's a basically almost like an Alec. But it's supposed to be a progressive version of Alec, but oh. it's actually a neoliberal version of Alec. And it, oh. they, it was oh. even arguing against Medicare for all. And it had like something like Medicare oh. for those who wanted type of policy. Um, mm. Man, the, the name of it, it has progressive in it. But I can't. Uh, Center for American mind. Progress. Center there we for go. American thank Progress. you so much. Yeah. Thank, thank you. That you was so down much. in the Center comments. Thank you, Andrew. Thank there you, it is. Andrew. So Center for American Progress, which is supposed to be. For, you know, look in the name. It says pro, 
right. uh, Center for American Progress, right? Right. So it should be the one who is trying to find the best way to implement Medicare for all. Yet they, we, uh, you can look, there's even an article in there on how Medicare for all is not the way to go, but Medicare for like those who want it. It had an alternative system that I remember even um, <laughs> Nara Tandon went on Jank Uger's uh, TYT channel to debate Medicare for all versus the, the Medicare for some, I guess. I forgot the name of their version of the liberal, um, neoliberal version of Medicare for all. Yeah. But um, yeah, there is, so we don't have one specifically for us. That's the, that's the point I'm, I'm trying to make. But I'm optimistic, though. This one guy, and I can't even think of his name on Twitter, that he, he himself is a one-man band, but we need way more than one person um, creating policy and coming up with these ideas. Yeah. So I'm, I'm still optimistic. The only thing, Amanda, that I'm not optimistic on is the planet. We don't have time to mess around with the planet to, to um, uh, yeah. you know, we're about to have global warming. It's like, what, we, we were talking about a 10-year um, deadline like four years ago, <laughs> you know, so like what we got six years left. So that's the only thing I'm pessimistic on, basically, Amanda. Yeah, it, you know, if you were, if you if you have the time, I, I I would like to promote promote you as a speaker, and we can take Andrew as a caller. Sure. Would that be okay? Yeah, go right ahead. Thank you. So um, let's see, we'll do that, and then we can have Andrew come on up. Thank you, Andrew. Did you get a thing to, did you get invited to speak, Case? Oh, there it is. Yeah, thank you for uh, pointing okay. that out. There we go. Um, there we go. So there, we go. there we go. There we go. There we go. Thank you, Andrew. Please join the conversation. Hey, Amanda. Hey, Case. Hey, everybody. Hey, so, um, yeah, I had thoughts about, like, um, kind of left uh, think tanks or policy producing groups. Um, I think right now it might be best to do it just like state by state. And then whatever comes out of that, those pieces can be put together into uh, a larger uh, policy making infrastructure. But I think, um, did you all, did both of you listen to or watch uh Brianna Joy Gray's most recent episode about housing. Yes, yes. So I actually really like uh, Rebecca Parson. She's from the electoral district, like a county south of where I'm from. I'm from Seattle. And I was just thinking about it. Like I know other groups in Seattle that do that do like they they may actually be housing providers. Like there's this group called Weld that is strictly for people who have been homeless or incarcerated and getting them into housing that they kind of run themselves. And there's other, there's one other group that does housing like provision for homeless people that is really good. And then there's some other ones that are kind of mediocre and there's more people than just, um, Rebecca. I mean, there's Shama Sawant has done a lot of good stuff for tenants rights, but I think there's all these ingredients we could put together just in my knowledge of Washington. And that's just a handful. I could name some more, uh, to build a policy think tank of the left. And I think that um, I'm, I'm generally not for like focusing everything on one state at a time, but I do think 
if you can get a ballot act, a ballot measure an initiative onto the actual paper ballot nationally, it has a 60% chance of passing. Um, so I'm just thinking like, uh, you know, statewide rent control, um, you know, a like a rule to expropriate property via, I mean, there's already eminent domain. The state already has the power to do that. They, the port of Seattle in the sixties and seventies, they used eminent domain to seize like basically an entire neighborhood of Seattle that was fairly poor and had a lot of people working in like industrial jobs or fishing for their livelihood. They just bulldozed the entire neighborhood and they were going to build a, uh, a big, huge like port terminal, um, that would have ended up, you know, storing empty shipping containers or garbage eventually. Uh, but the only reason that they stopped halfway through is because there's a indigenous village site right there. And so they couldn't actually like remove all of the contents just based. Anyways, I'm getting too into the weeds, but the point is like, there's already local examples like that all over the place. There's already cities and counties already regulate housing policy to, you know, for instance, they've done some really milk toast policies to limit, um, Airbnb type, um, right. Wouldn't it stuff. be great if there was a centralized place so we weren't having to duplicate efforts in all of these different places, that there was a centralized place with lawyers working on these policies, policies like figuring out land back or figuring out reparations or figuring out any number of well, things yeah. like how to create a constitution that also that also protects your right to housing and health care. You know, I mean, there's a lot of things that could be done that if we're not having to, if I understand what you're saying, that building it from the grassroots up is, is great, but they're having a, having a, 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 you know, a survey of all of the different localities and counties and state policies you know, gathering that together, it, it's such a big project by itself. It, that's why crowdsourcing democracy is part of what needs to happen is because democracy needs Well, but that's everybody. why I think we should start state by state. I'm not saying that ultimately we should just have these organizations dedicated to making policy in one state. But I think if we, if we start with what we have, you know, we don't, we don't have any kind of like, social organization or party that has good politics that is at the national level that would do that like even the poor people's right. campaign which because nothing was working, very large so we have to do something different i think so yeah so i think we need to just party. start like well I'm, I'm gonna i'm actually just gonna do it like not obviously not by myself but i'm gonna start reaching out to people like Rebecca Parson, Shama Sawant's campaign. There's another guy, Chris something, I can't remember his name, who's up uh, north of Seattle, who's like decent politics. Um, and I think it's extremely crucial to throw a bone to the rural areas as well. I mean, there's, you know, people with, yes, shitty politics, but they are getting gobbled up by Monsanto or, you know, Gates is buying up their land. Gates owns a lot of uh, land that's um, from the, the Yakima tribes in Washington. So working with tribes, working with like rural counties and working with tenants in the cities and everything, like I have enough of an idea of who to contact that I just want to start it in one state. And there's no reason that we can't be, you know, 
putting the little, the small little roots, the little baby seedling of this national project here on Colin. I mean, I've already, you're in uh, Oakland, right? Yeah, yeah. And Case, where are you at? Well, I don't know if you're muted. Case, you still there? May he might, he might be. I'm, he I'm, might. I'm so sorry. What's, <laughs> what's okay. the question again? Where where are you? Where are you? I'm, I'm in, in New Jersey. Jersey. You're in New Jersey. I'm in New Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Andrew, like, I'm just I've already met say, a good. I have a question for you. Yeah. Because I, I, I yeah. appreciate the point you're making, but I have a question for you because I've been I, going through all of the different all of the different elections and all of the different states for the House, and and um, it, it looks like that in November. All of the different House seats, there's going to be multiple people on the ballot for both parties. Is that right? What do you mean, for Republicans and Democrats? Yeah, like if I'm looking at Washington's 10th district. I'm looking at I'm looking at a set of six candidates, an independent, two Republicans and two Democrats. Yeah. Is that does that sound right? Are your ballots going to look like you're going to have five people, to, six people to choose from on in November? Well, so let's just take the last time there was an election for governor in Washington. You had Inslee, who is the you know fake climate guy, ran for president right, in right, 2020, right. Um, and then you had Lauren Culp, who was this like you know. No, no, I'm just asking whole cop on, on the on Well, I'm the, just I'm, I'm just saying like the last time I voted in Washington, like right now I'm in Mexico, so I don't even know how to get oh, my okay. ballot right uh, now. Uh, okay. Okay, fair. But, fair, fair, fair. Um, but what I'm saying is to, the way it looks, especially when Inslee had like a lot of shit coming his way for the lockdowns uh-huh. Uh-huh. and for uh, you know, a lot of like right-wing backlash against BLM. Uh-huh. Um there was one like Republican challenger who was Lauren Culp, who seemed like maybe in striking distance. And then on the actual ballot, there were like 15 other candidates. And <laughs> a lot of them were Republicans. The majority of them had no party preference. But if you read their um, sort of, you know, self-identified political stats, they're very much Republican uh, leaning. You know, if they they may, yeah. they may be registered independent, but they vote Republican 95 percent of the time. Got and then it. there was one really funny one. There was like this guy who was like from the Cascadia Labor Party. And I was like, <laughs> oh, fuck, who's that? And then he was just another like Republican in, in fucking uh, costume. I was like, damn, yeah. that sounded cool for 10 <laughs> seconds. But I think um, I have another thought about like Case's point where the climate is is the urgent issue. Yeah. I think that so I'm an ecologist like by training and that's been my job for years is either teaching or doing ecological restoration. Um, I've done other shit as well, but the point being that I think we cannot let that um, negatively affect our strategy for creating a political movement that can, you know, wield, like build up grassroots community power and also wield and take state power. I think that, um, you know, I see so many ways in which focusing on climate change as the ecological issue is actually missing the point of a lot of things we need to be doing to, to, you know, save species, to clean the water, clean the air, to give people better 
health and to restore ecosystems. If we're only focusing on switching from fossil fuels to lithium batteries, that's not going to change any of that. We're still going to be in a major extinction crisis. We're still going to be having water shortages due to pollution and salination with sea level rise and everything. And I think, um, I think that that's my, that's my like, it's one of my pet But I do think we have to stop the da- the downward spiral that we're in if we can like at least slow it down because I think there's been uh, it's just recently some some very significant movement on on no accountability for for power plants in this country and that 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 then yeah. causes the slide to get worse, right? We're making it worse. I, I agree. If we yeah, do. But something. I think that I think you know the the quote unquote like making it worse, right? Like you can imagine climate change from greenhouse gas emissions causing a general warming of the atmosphere. That's only one disease that we've given ourselves or the Earth. Um, if you think of the Earth as like the kind of Gaia idea, where it's a li- it is a super organism. We are a we are a you know, we're like the bacteria in yep, our own I'm, intestines. I'm with that. I'm with that. I, if you think of it like that, we're doing nothing for any part of our immune system. We're not we're not um, responding to local sources of pollution. And I think if we focus on, you know, especially in messaging and in um, like statewide or national legislation, if we actually really focus on rhetorically and substantively like reducing pollution, you're not going to have the pushback from the right wing on that because a lot of them have dealt with pollution. You know, like a lot of times where where you put where the government decides to put like, um, for instance, in Washington state, there's the Hanford Hanford Reach nuclear project. It was part of the Manhattan Project where they built the atomic bombs to you know drop on Japan and scare the Soviets. That was put there initially because the only people nearby were the Yakima Confederation. It's an Indian reservation. But then the only other people that live there now are kind of right-leaning white people and also a lot of, like, Latin American agricultural workers. So if you say Mm -hmm. we're going to clean up pollution, we're going to provide federal funds to create jobs to clean up pollution, people like that are going to be like, well, yeah, I got, you know, my my aunt or my son or me, I got cancer from the Hanford Reach pollution. Um, but you can also extend that to, you know, all of the the ports in the country need to have an electrical hookup so the ships aren't burning gas just to keep the lights on in the port. And you can do all sorts of other things that actually combat climate change, but also combat a lot of what I really believe are more acute immediately threatening issues um and and yes we should we should continue to to message especially to the left about climate change but like if i were to make a statewide package that i wanted people to support to specifically address climate change but other ecological issues i would not call it anything about climate change i would say that you know and also i would say like with the midterms coming up and the next presidential election i think we should all collectively just admit that ship has sailed. The Democrats are going to lose, and that's a good right. thing. Um, and I think we should we should take a serious... Well, that's why... Oh, go ahead. 
Well, I was just going to say that's why I I had that radical suggestion of just disrupting the whole system by sending no incumbents, no matter what your party affiliation or your leaning might be, just vote for the non-incumbent to go to Washington and the disruption of all of that. I cuz I it's a failed institution at this point. I they they've done nothing to sh- to do anything except show that that their highest value is to witness suffering not to solve our problems and that's not cool that's not good and i don't yeah. like the republicans either they're big bullies who don't when they don't get their way they just get upset and just they like they like oh i'm no i'm not touching you i'm not touching you i'm not touching you but they've got their finger right in front of your face right it, 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 it's yeah. just the most childish ridiculousness, and it's not helping the regular person on the ground. It's helping plenty of corporations. Yeah. Can I talk to you all about my um, idea that I'm working on with um, someone else and, yes, and that we're going to kind of shop it out? Or not shop it out, meaning like I want, I'm going to hopefully um, talk to all, all have a, a, a connection with a lot of independent creators and basically, it's called the Mutual Aid Political Party, right? And it's kind of a, a new third party. And but the the, fo- the focus, the number one focus, is a Mutual Aid First Political Party, meaning that the idea is to help do mutual aid first, and then I like the way Nick Cruz, you know, socialist MMA. He, I like his description of it. Was when I described him the the um, my plan. He said, basically, is you're, you're doing mutual aid and then you just happen to run somebody for office, you know, and and that's the idea yeah, yeah. In, in a district yeah. where we where people instead of raising money, knock, you know, volunteers knocking on doors for the candidate, we're going to be raising money for mutual aid and probably a certain amount of it will go towards helping out with the candidacy as well. But the, a good portion of it is going to go towards mutual aid. Can people going to be not? on the door instead of asking you hey can you vote for my candidate they'll be saying hey how can we help you like you know literally just asking people how can they help them so i think that this at the end of the day the the basic idea is even if you lose let's say you lose the first cycle you lose the second cycle at the end of the day when the candidate the candidate does uh that you know at the end you have a party and a watch party to see when the votes come in and then if you lose, you can, the, the candidate can still say, OK, even though we lost, we, we still gave out this amount of money. We raised $10,000 for our district. We knocked on this many doors and we helped a thousand people with mowing their lawns or, um, you know, helping in any way. You can say that at the end and say, hey, the next cycle, we're going to do twice as much and we're also going to win. So what you guys think of that idea? Basically, that's the basic gist of it. I I I really like I really like that I I really like that idea. I think it's important that that it, we build whatever we call it. We build our our local neighborhoods around us, and we surround ourselves with supportive people. And and it it it's important to recognize that we're going to have to build coalitions of coalitions because. We, you know, not everybody gets along, but I think we can all agree on there's a couple of key things we need to work on, um, specific policies related to ending climate 
and the ridiculous um, take back of rights that's happening with the Supreme Court. There's so much that's happening that that keeping ourselves informed and helping each other out so that when things do get rough, people know where they can turn. And it's, and as much as I love my representative, Barbara Lee, I'm not going to be calling her up with when shit hits the fan, you know. And, and I feel like I could pick up the phone and call her, but it's not, she's not going to be there. When when stuff comes down, I gotta have my neighbors, and I gotta know, and I gotta know, you know, the combination lock to the firehouse across the street, right? <laughs> There's yeah. just a lot yep. of different. I I really like I really like that idea. I mean, in the early early days of the country, didn't they used to um, give away beers and stuff when he on voting on election day? Yeah, let's let's. Yeah. Talk. To people, let's talk to people. Another good thing is that just at their house. Absolutely right. And another thing is when you're knocking on doors, um, asking people for help, and you're not asking them necessarily like, are you Republican or you're Democrat or you're Independent? You're just saying, hey, how can can do you need help? How can I help you? And you're hopefully building alliances from the grassroots up, where somebody who might be right wing uh, minded would eventually say hey you know what this person case has been you know he's with this organization and he's running in the district uh, you know what I'll, I'll i'll go ahead and vote for him because they came by my house and and helped me out you know right. so that's that's the hope the goal is to build a coalition from the ground up for the 99 percent yep and i i think i think that's a great idea there there were a lot of um when when um, when the Occupy movement was going, there were uh, there was a collective of people that were putting up all kinds of documents about organizing and how to do kinds of organizing and how to what kinds of things can be um, accomplished in certain ways. And and I think that those kinds of resources are just because of the internet being such a different place than it was in, in 2011 when that started, it's, you know, getting a glass of water from a fire hose kind of situation that even finding reliable, good resources becomes difficult. So that's why having an ALEC for the left to, to, to be a central core of a place where it's, where, you know, rights are respected and 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 pronouns are heard and and even republicans can find a home as long as they don't hate yeah i think um definitely second everything you both said i think that um whether or not we're taking on an existing party to like take over like the green party or whether or not we decide to build this particular party the mutual aid party or another that strategy of just not letting the infrastructure you build and the money you raise just disappear at the end, it just is a prerequisite now. Like nobody's going to trust you if you aren't doing that. Um, and it also, it is this thing that can cut through um, all these sort of partisan lines. And especially if we're framing, like I know sometimes we get too concerned with rhetoric and names and stuff, but I do really think if we're framing policy proposals and like campaign 
rhetoric in a way, like I just mentioned, just for example, I'm not saying like it has to be this one issue, but for example, like pollution instead of climate change, you can accomplish the same thing and you are going to pull over people who do actually agree with you because you are just hopping over the fence that's been built in between you ideologically. Um, I actually, I got to run right now. I, I can't get my car window to roll up and I need oh, to go no. and do something. Okay. So well, I'm going to run and do it really quick. And then thank you for helping. Back All right, keep an eye. Uh, sign me. Yeah. Sign, sign me up and, 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 and ha- tell people who are here how they can find out more about, about if there's any place, if they want to help out in that, Oh, I mean, I don't know where you are oh, in that process, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm maybe two or three months away from having something um, substantial to start promoting. But right now, I'm in a fact finding mission of the the process. Where, like, if you uh, if I could um, give a plug to my channel, YouTube channel, Case Study QB. Um, I, I I recently interviewed two people who does mutual aid. Because I wanted to find out more just about mutual aid itself, you know, find out how it works. And so I interviewed two people. One was Rome from Revolutionary Blackout Network. Oh, you're breaking he does tour up, for the case. poor, going you're around the country, up, giving out. Um, oh, oh, sorry about that. Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Uh, we got. Oh, we got a delay for you. Let's see. Oh, you're still breaking up. Okay, so so Case QB is your show, yeah? Maybe if you um maybe if you leave Hello? and come back. Oh, there you are. Now you're back. Oh, no, you're gone. Okay. I'm here for another 10 minutes. Um, Case, why don't you log out and I'll bring you back, you know, come back in and, and come in as a caller and I'll bring you back up because I want to make sure that we promote your, your shebang. Let's see. Here we go. You should have an invite to speak. Maybe that'll work. Did you get the invite? Okay. Well, I'm going to have Lance come up. Come on up and unmute yourself. We'll get yeah, Case to come back. It's like, yes, how are you doing, Amanda? Case, uh, good. How are you doing, Lance? Good, good, good. He's uh, right on the same page as me, but I'm jealous because he knows the folks at RBN, and he's got them working with him a little bit to help inform him. The information's out there, but I actually just started a room. It's just aspirational at this point. Uh, let's see. I, I, I'm good with acronyms. I came up with this in a, like 20 minutes. Hands United Mutual Aid Network. It spells human, but it's nothing now. I'm not asking for a nickel. I'm like where Case is. And I've got to find, you know, maybe a uh, activist lawyer around here somewhere or uh, and or just look up mutual aid because I don't know how to do it. But Ever since I figured, you know, discovered who Fred Hampton was, I'm like, yeah, that's for me, you know, mutual aid, you know. But if I can make a point about third parties and stuff. Yeah, sure. I was just going to I was just going to say that uh, I was just going to say that um, that. um, Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. 
Are you there, Lance? Yeah, I'm not just an acronym at this point. It's not even in the state. Can you start? Well, You're right. And now I can hear you. Oh, okay. How about now? Yeah, you got something going on in the background? Uh, No, I'll just turn the TV off. It's not loud. But yeah, how's this? Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the third party thing. You know, going back a ways, right? Like when the Democrats actually, you know, I'm not, okay, first of all, I think we're, we're post political parties. So if you look at it historically, like parliamentary, uh, monarchies like, like England was before, you know, even in monarchies where there was no parliament, but even when there was a parliament right. or our system of government. Okay, when you look at the hierarchies then and now, like you have the king at the top, like maybe we have the elites and the billionaires at the top here. Then you have at the bottom, you have the slaves or the serfs, you know. So now we would have, whether it's prisoners, you could say they're doing prison labor. And then we have the proletariat, the low working class people and all the rest. When you look at the hierarchies traditionally, voting in, you know, politics, right, like in parliamentary systems or even in our system, they're, only, they're about fourth in line. It doesn't matter. And what I'm saying is, therefore, even if you elect Bernie Sanders president and you have all, you know, a 51 margin of Green Party and Democratic Socialists in the Senate and you had a house with yeah. the same kind of mix of all kinds of left. OK, of course, things would change. They would change a lot. But the corporations aren't going anywhere. It's still going to be a lesser way to control things. You've got to do the pressure from outside. That doesn't mean you don't use it. You don't parties, all that. But let me say this about that. as Richard Nixon used to say, and this is the point. Back when the Democrats were the, the last best time, right, from the civil, uh, excuse me, civil rights era, Brown v. Board, civil rights, voting mm -hmm. rights. You know, they didn't back it up. They didn't follow it up. But that was a good era, right? That progressive era of the 60s. First of all, it only happened any more than FDR's New Deal. It didn't happen because politicians got religion. It happened because of intense pressure from all sides. That's the only way they'll ever do anything. But here's what here's the point. In the 60s, the Democrats who have ruined themselves, they had a three-to-one registration advantage. Therefore, you had the Southern unreconstructed racist Democrats. Ain't no question about that. But they were populist, so they didn't mind some of the issues for helping poor people because it helped them too. But so you had the – and they, it was all Democrat all the time. The solid South meant solid Democrat. More solid than it was Republican right. now. There's still a few Democrats. Okay. Then you had the Northeastern – you know, the – liberals, right? New York, just like you always had. Then you had across country, but especially in the upper Midwest, you had the working class, you know, union folks. And a lot of blacks, too, that were getting jobs after World War II. But, you know, you know so it was all, all races. You had that coalition, among others, that had the southern unreconstructed racist whites, the coastal elites, and the, and the working class. That's a pretty powerful coalition. Now what we see is, is we say, oh, my God, no, no, no. And I agree. I agree these fucking pro-life, you know, uh, Congress people. I get it. I get it. No, we don't need that at this point. But what I'm saying is until the Democratic Socialists or the Green Party and these people, like Fred Hampton did, that's why they killed him. They didn't kill them all. They killed the ones that were effective. And the reason Fred Hampton was effective is because he reached out to former, former, but maybe they only took oh, their swastikas off. Lance, you're breaking up right on your point. Oh, here. Yeah, and and we're going to be wrapping up here in a couple minutes, and I want to give Case a chance to talk a little, finish his thought about his, yeah. his project. Yeah, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, I'm going to 
to tell you that and you could look it up in your history book. Fred Hampton right now would be saying, man, we had people that voted for Obama. They voted for Sanders in the 16 primary. And then they voted for Trump because they didn't want Hillary. OK, Fred Hampton would be reaching out to all those right wing so-called QAnon, yeah. whatever. Some of them are on. OK, he'd be reaching out to conservatives because they're gettable. They're gettable as fucking. Lance, 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 and I never Lance, I never hear socialists. Lance. I never hear progressives trying to reach out to these people. Lance, they want to treat Lance. them like they're garbage. We're all on your side. You don't need to get excited. Um, um, Derek, um, we're going to be, we're going to be closing down in a minute. I want to give Case a chance to, to wrap up his thought where that he got interrupted. Yeah, uh, no problem. Thank you for having me back on. Um, yeah, so I'll just wrap it up real quick. So definitely check me out on Case Study QB on YouTube. And then I have a Twitter account. That's where I, I, I got more notoriety off of Twitter where I post clips that progressives can use of mainstream media. And you can check that out. And um, I also follow, I'll be um, letting everyone, keeping everyone informed through my Twitter account. If you want to help out in any way, you can contact me at casestudyqb at gmail.com so that um, any talent you might have, um, I would love to, to collaborate with um, people. All right. Have a great one. Thank you. Great. Make sure you follow Case, everyone. Thank you for uh, for joining me as a speaker. No um, problem. And Lance, Lance, um, you want to make a quick thought, and I want to give Derek a chance. I've got another couple of minutes. No, that was pretty much it. You know, just the idea okay. that 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 the people on the left and DSA Green Party. Unlike Fred Hampton himself, that everybody wants to quote like MLK and you know Malcolm X and Fred Hampton. But Fred Hampton totally reached out to right-wingers. And we know we have a recent history. As I, I'll just reiterate, the people that voted for Obama and then Sanders and then Trump are a pretty large group of people. Nobody talks about trying to reach out to conservatives. The DSA trashed the trucker convoy and said, no, we're a bunch of fascists. So- You're not getting anywhere with that attitude. And it's not very Fred yeah, Hampton like. I hear, I, I, I hear, I hear your, I hear your point, and and I agree with you. We need to be reaching out to everybody, regardless of what their position is. Derek. Hey, thanks. Yeah, sure. Uh, Welcome. Thanks. Uh, I hope Lance writes a book. Lance, you should write a book, man. Um, I wanted to throw out the idea of boycotting. Um. That seems to be something that is uh, missing. Boycotting you know, I think, what? Well, I, I think we need to get strategic about boycotting. Um, we need to coordinate efforts, agree on how to boycott. So... How do we do... How do we do... I, I don't disagree with you. How do we start doing that? Okay. I want to do that. How do we do that? Okay. For a long time, I've thought that the most effective way to uh, confront the issue of our uh, politicians being corrupted by money is to um, target, uh, oh, you know, up. according to the stats. Uh-huh. Uh, of course I'm breaking up. Of course. Anyone? <laughs> of course. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> All right. Um, I was thinking we should target um, the companies that uh, interfere with our political process the most, like from each industry. 
Okay. Um, if that can be. How do we figure out as, who those are? I'm I'm on yeah. board. Let's make a plan. Let's figure out what steps to take and let's get them done. Because that's where I am. I'm tired of talking about it. I want to get. I want to know where to be and where to who to talk to so that we can get. The, I, I'm a middle-aged white lady. I'm I'm patient to get this shit done. Okay. Um, so what? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> sure. Sure. Okay. So what I was thinking was. You know, like in each industry, you have, um, you know, competition. So, like, let's say Walmart versus like Kmart. Walmart, more than obviously, is the one I, I think everybody would agree that's uh, pushing money at politicians. Uh, you know, more so than Kmart. So, despite whatever uh, issues might exist uh, that are relevant to Walmart or Kmart. You know, how they treat their employees, what they pay, uh, what kind of benefit, like disregard everything else and target the boycotting on whichever company in that industry is interfering in our political process the most. Create an incentive for the other companies to not do what that company is doing. Create an incentive for, for that company that's interfering the most to stop. You okay, know. so let's so let's imagine as a thought experiment, and I've got another minute of of power left on my phone. So let's imagine a quick thought experiment. Of, okay. of I've decided that everybody needs to, in order to put pressure on, we need to be boycotting, let's say, Chevrolet just out of just out of the air. So how do we? How do we get the message out that everybody needs to boycott Chevrolet? Well, we provide the reason, and I think we need to all get on board with the reason um, that's going to be simple and effective. You know, like if it's Chevy versus Ford, right? If Chevy's interfering with our political process the most, then boycott Chevy. There's still plenty of Fords to go by, you know, just like... If you wanted to target the oil industry, they're all evil. We can all agree, you know. But yeah. like, if, if Exxon is interfering most with our political, you know, with, with providing money to politicians, interfering with our political process. But what I'm saying is, let's say, let, so you and I agree, Exxon's doing it the most. <clears throat> how how do we how do we tell everybody? How do we get the message out that this is the tip that everyone needs to be on? Do you see what I mean? Sure. Yeah. I, th- I don't well, know what channel we need to get onto. Well, I think the information itself should be easily uh, obtainable, readily available. Um, I think this is all public record. Whichever companies are contributing the most to politicians, make a list. And then, right. you know. And then how do and, I get it to everybody? Oh, well, uh, then, you know, word of mouth and, and cash, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm op- I'm wide open to discussing how to do I'm that more effectively. But I, I think that will be easier to achieve if if we can agree that we need to just go straight for their fucking throats with the money. That's all they give a fuck about. They don't give a fuck about anything yeah. else, you know, so. Yeah. Um, no, I I completely I I agree. I agree. That's why I'm trying to get to the path there. Derek, I appreciate your input today and and Lance and Case. 
And everybody who who's here listening, I hope you enjoyed the show. I've got another show call-in coming up on Thursday. Right, thanks. I hope you all have a great weekend, and happy 4th of July, everybody. Happy 4th. Thank you for having me on. Have a great one. Absolutely. Week. Happy to have you, sir. <laughs>